Good morning. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we welcome you and it is so good for us to be together here in this place and also those of you who are worshiping with us online, a very hearty good morning to you as well. People of God, we have come here for one reason and that is to worship this wonderful God that we serve. So let's lift up our voices as we come to God with our call to worship. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. The Lord is risen indeed. This is the good news we have received, in which we stand and by which we are saved. Hallelujah. The Lord is risen indeed. That Christ died for our sins and was buried and rose again on the third day. He appeared to Mary, and Mary ran to tell Peter. He appeared to Thomas and to the twelve. He appeared to many faithful witnesses. Hallelujah. The Lord is risen indeed. At last he came to us, that we might come to believe and proclaim this good news to the world. Alleluia. The Lord is risen indeed. Please join me in prayer. Holy One, we call you Savior and forget why we need saving. We believe we have wrestled with power when we negotiate to raise or agree to disagree. But you, Lord, you have come freshly from the cross. You have overcome the final exile. You have brought light into the deepest confine. There is no power beyond your power. So we come humbly in need of your loving reminder that we are yours, and all roads lead to you, and any perceived power we have is childish in your presence. 
Please help us, Lord, to seek your loving face. Equip us, Lord, to live into worthiness of your story for us. We repent, O God, even as we claim your grace. Now guide us into a life transformed by your love and will. We have come before our Lord in faith and in hope. Because of the power and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, we can rejoice that our sins are forgiven. Thanks be to God. As we take a few moments to share signs of your love and peace with one another, know that he is with us in every one of these actions. The peace of Christ be with you. Our children, fifth grade and younger, can meet in the Sunday school leaders in the back of the church, and our youth sixth grade and up are meeting in the youth room. Now, let's greet one another. Isn't it great to be together? It's wonderful. Yeah, I love that applause. What a joy it is to greet all of you and all of our online friends. And for those who have gathered in this place and we have shared our greeting with each other, it's wonderful. There are several opportunities to make connections, to support our work together in the service of Christ and to have some fun that I'd like to lift up for your attention. Every fourth Sunday, which is next Saturday, April 22nd, a group from the Village Church gathers with what, for what we call the Branch Barbecue. And we gather together down at Mission Bay, and we're there to connect with and serve hot meals to the unsheltered folks who are in that particular area. And we invite you all to please join us for that event. It really is quite remarkable, and you hear some incredible stories. Our mission partner, Hope Unlimited, along with our very own children's ministry here at Village Church, would like, want your help because they are, would like to wish a very happy Valentine's Day to children in Brazil. Now, have we missed Valentine's Day? Well, not in Brazil. We can celebrate Valentine's Day. They celebrate it June 12th. So next Sunday, there will be a table set outside with cards why don't you just stop by and sign your name to these cards, and these cards will be delivered to children that are in Brazil, and it'll be wonderful, so please do that. You'll also notice a green insert in your bulletin, and all this green insert is is just packed full of fun. That's all it is. And it's a uh, 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 Shamrocks and Blessings. Is that the name of it? Yeah, Shamrocks and Blessings, an Irish festival put on by our very own choir, and it's a, a fundraiser for, for us to uh, contribute some resources so that they can sing their way across the, the Emerald Isle and be able to share the good news as well with that. So come out on Sunday afternoon. It's going to be a blast. And if you weren't Irish when you got there, you will be when you leave. So that's, that's all I can say about that. On April 30th, we're holding an exploration seminar, and this is a time when anybody who's interested in taking that next step 
and joining our church and becoming a member, we'd like to sit down and talk to you about that. So uh, you'll see that there is more information on that at your usual places, the website, uh, the midweek uh, email blast, and also just call the church office. Our church doesn't limit its reach to just this community, but far beyond our own walls and the global village. And this morning, I would like to invite Maria Zach and also Gretchen Scruggs, who have recently returned from their, a trip to Egypt to share some stories with you about their visit. Good morning. So we're here to tell you in a very short period of time a little bit about Egypt and our trip to Egypt. Uh, we were a group of eight people. Um, I take people to Egypt, uh, I try to take people about once every two years, so if this sounds interesting, talk to me. Uh, eight people, five congregations were represented in the group. The main focus of our trip was the Evangelical Theological Seminary in Cairo. It is the largest uh, Presbyterian seminary, actually one of the largest seminaries in the Middle East. It has 650 students, which by global standards is quite a large seminary. So we spent time at the seminary, but then we also went visiting a number of places where the graduates work. Uh, this includes SAT-7, which you've probably heard about before in this church, satellite broadcasting ministry in the Middle East. Uh, Many of their students serve in poor congregations in the southern part of Egypt as well as around Cairo and up in Alexandria. They also have students uh, serving in other kinds of social ministries working with the poor. And then they have students working, uh, graduates working at the Bible Society in Egypt. The Bible Society does a number of different things and Gretchen's gonna tell you about some of that. One of the interesting things for me about the Bible Society is that they are in the process of trans creating a new Arabic translation of the Bible. The current translation of the Bible into Arabic is something like the King James language in English and it represents Arabic nobody speaks anymore. So Gretchen's gonna tell you about more about the Bible Society. So we visited the Bible study one day, and um, one of the things they told us is that 90% of the Christians in Egypt are Coptic. Uh, they've been around for 160 years, and they sell uh, different types of literature to Egyptians uh, for a nominal fee, which means in many cases they are losing money on them. One of the things I picked up was a, a Bible stories that is um, in Arabic, but it also has been, as I like to say, it has... Um, closed captioning in English underneath uh, so we can actually read it. But it's interesting because it does flip like uh, an Arabic book. But the most fun I think that I had was finding out about a children's program they have called Bible World. And when the children show up, they're in groups and they get little sailor hats and they get maps and they go from room to room and they have to finish uh, each project in each room before they progress to the next room. And then at the end, they get stickers um, as a reward for filling out the map. That was my favorite part of the trip, which probably tells you that I'm a child at heart, I guess. <laughs> Thank you so much. You know, you don't have to be on the mission commission to be part of these wonderful trips that are planned uh, quite often throughout the year to different places, different mission partners. If you have just that call to see what God is up to in the rest of the world, be a part of those when you hear about them. They really are quite transformational. So we now have an opportunity to express our gratitude to God and our hope to serve with body and soul God's message and purpose here on earth through our gift of tithes and offerings. So as the baskets are passed, give with a grateful and generous heart.
Please be seated. Let's go to God in prayer. Our precious resurrected Lord, we come before you with love because you first loved us. While we live in the hope of the resurrection, we too often are like Thomas and need more reassurance. We see a world that is perishable, people that defile it, and faith that is faded. But because we love you, we pray for the blessing of believing every day, even though we haven't put our hands in the terrible piercings of your resurrected body. We pray we will have renewed belief through seeing you at work in our lives and in the lives of those around us. We praise you for your triumph over death, and we thank you that through you, we have the path to that same life everlasting. To you, we lift up our lives and the needs of this world, our community, and our families. Be with those who have suffered loss of any kind and show us how to share your love with them in every way. We ask that you would heal and comfort those who are hurting and bring an end to conflict in our world, in our communities, and in our families. May your love for you lead to that peace of God which surpasses all understanding. As we come before you with these praises and petitions, we are reminded that you, Lord Jesus, prayed the perfect prayer, lifting these words to God. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
A reading from the first letter to Peter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, even if now, for a little while, you have had to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, though perishable, is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. For you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now a reading from the Gospel according to John. When it was evening on that first day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hands in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord, my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The word of the Lord. In September of 1973, I left home as the first member of my family to attend college. I had no idea when I packed my bags, my leather-wrapped Bible with the Maranatha dove on the front of it, and the confidence of the little church in Brawley that sponsored me, that I would arrive at Pacific Christian College in Fullerton, California, the center of a theological storm before I had set one foot on campus. I did not know that they were having midnight board meetings and hosting sounding posts for concerned congregations, responding to the outrage that a young woman had declared as her major preaching. But it didn't take long for me to find out all about that storm. The first year, I was counseled, it's not biblical. The second year, I was pressured, you are a distraction. 
The third year I was warned, you will never fill a pulpit. And the fourth year they decided they would not grant me a bachelor's degree in preaching, which I had earned, because too much financial pressure had been exerted from local churches. Instead, they decided I would receive my bachelor's in psychology, which I had actually earned from Cal State Fullerton through a reciprocity program, and they would give me a bachelor's in Christian education, which I had not earned. (laughs) I had done everything that I could think of to follow God's direction and to listen to that divine voice. I prayed, I studied, I sought wisdom, I sat through all their counseling and the lack of opportunities afforded, that were afforded to my male counterparts. And I want to be honest with you, I was more than willing to be corrected. I was more than willing to be taught, but I could not shake this call. I couldn't shake it it would have been so much easier to let go and become the preschool director that they thought I should be. But God had a hold of me by the scruff of the neck and that beautiful holy voice was irresistible. So I stuck it out. However, by the end of those four years, I was no match for this institution. I'm a country girl from Brawley. I had made my protest and I had decided I wouldn't walk in the ceremony and I would not accept a degree that was an unfair compromise. I was heartbroken and to be honest with you, I was sick with grief. It was over. All of these dreams and the conviction that I had, it was over. A few weeks before the graduation ceremony, I received a call from the dean letting me know that I would be given two separate degrees, which I had earned, a Bachelor of Arts degree in psychology and a Bachelor of Arts degree in preaching. When I asked why the change, the dean reported to me that 67, which was the graduating class of young men, 67 young men who were my classmates for four years, petitioned the president and made it known that if I did not receive my degree, they would refuse theirs. (laughs) It's not over. It's not over this resurrection, this promise, this faithfulness. When we begin to think that we can predict or control where God will blow holy breath and sacred will, that we can create barriers that lock certain people out of God's purpose, God's plan, and God's permission, that's just the time, that is the exact moment that God will be born in a place that we can't imagine and that we won't even believe. It's just when we are between gasps of disappointment and bitter regret, this Savior, Emmanuel, newly resurrected, appears among us with his peace that we don't understand and fills the space between us with hope like holy mortar and binds us together with love and faith. The disciples were afraid Oh, they were so afraid. They were afraid that it was over. Mary Magdalene had already brought them the good news. She had said, he has risen, but they didn't believe her. And they were so bereft. They were so grief-stricken. They were so traumatized by believing that it was over that they forgot to believe it all. The scripture tells us that they were hiding from their own people, the Jewish authorities, and probably the Romans, and probably anybody else that looked sideways at them. Behind locked doors, they were hidden. And you have to wonder if they weren't also hiding from God and from the public and and all those people that they had told that this was somebody special, something different was going to happen. And they had told all these people and it was embarrassing and possibly maybe even hiding from themselves. 
Don't you think that we all tend to go away and lick our wounds when our plans fall apart? When maybe we're embarrassed or humiliated? When we feel certain that we understand the path that we must walk for the destination we crave only to find ourselves lost in the woods? There's a whole lot of shame that surrounds our perceived failures. But it's not over, not by a long shot. So John shifts the focus from the empty tomb as testimony to Jesus' abiding presence in the life of God. He shifts it from the tomb to a resurrection appearance of Jesus to these frightened disciples. Without explanation, Without preamble, Jesus is among them, speaking directly to their fear. Peace be with you. Not once, but twice, Jesus gives the greeting, inevitably recalling the words of comfort that he had spoken when he was walking on earth alive at the Last Supper. Do you remember those words of peace? He said these words, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. The difference between the words of peace in chapter 14 and in chapter 20 is that the latter comes not from the faithful threatened one, but those words come from the faithful resurrected one. The peace that is not offered by the world is the peace that comes from the knowledge that despite all the hurt and all the harm that the world can and does inflict on on all of us, despite all of that, God's compassion and care embodied in the person of Jesus stands among us, is with us even in this moment. It's not over. And then, then this incredible thing happens. Not only is it not over, But Jesus immediately pulls the disciples in into the continuing story of God's ultimate dream of bringing the world into a divine relationship with each other and with God himself. Jesus was letting them know the very next sentence that not only is it not over, but for them it was indeed now the beginning. As the Father has sent me, now I send you. Wow. Are you ready for this? Do you understand what we're signing up for when we decide to follow Jesus? When we declare it's not over, do we know what we're saying? It's scary and it's fragile and it's dangerous and it's a pouring out of ourselves and it's a crushing, deepened awareness of what it means to be a human being in relationship with the Creator It's looking in a mirror that reflects a tough and ruthless truth about us and then being called out to the edge of vulnerability as we surrender this broken and fragmented image that we have of ourselves for the truth that we were made in God's image. We all bear witness to the paths and the inroads that Jesus made when he walked on the earth. Not only in his physical walking, but also into the hearts and minds of people. Jesus was about the business of transforming lives. He was preaching a new way for us to see each other in existence together in this place. He was teaching the unhurried rhythms of grace. He was living a life abundant with faith and hope and love. He was giving himself away to anyone that would receive him. You know what? This is hard stuff. Life is hard stuff. And following Jesus is not for the faint of heart. We're called to live and thrive and serve alongside people we don't necessarily agree with all the time. And we don't necessarily like all the time. And at the very same time, we're called to change our way of thinking about them. It's not enough just to live alongside each other we're actually expected to like and love each other. To love and forgive and accept and engage 
no matter what opinion you hold. We're called to eliminate the word them and embrace the word us. We are called to sacrificially give ourselves to the world. Why? Because we are following Jesus and that's what Jesus did. Is this what you want? Do you want that? Do you want a, a life where you're called upon to give yourself sacrificially to the world? When the mother of James and John asked Jesus to give her sons a special place in the kingdom, Jesus responded this way, can you drink? Can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? Can we drink the cup? Is the most challenging and radical question we can ask ourselves. The cup is the cup of life. It's full of joys and sorrows and responsibilities, not just for ourselves, but for the world that God so loves. Can we hold our cups and claim them as our own? Can we lift up our cup to offer blessings to others? And can we drink our cups to the dregs, to the very bottom as cups that bring us salvation? And keeping this question alive in us is one of the most demanding spiritual exercises that you can practice. So is it easy to drink the cup that Jesus drank? Jesus didn't think so. He wrestled and he struggled. He prayed so hard that sweat rolled down his face like drops of blood. Father, Father, is there any other way? Is there any other way? Can this cup pass from me? Not my will, but yours. Jesus had been down this road before us. He walked before we have to walk, he walked it. And he knew what we would need to follow him. We can't do this by ourselves. That's why we're here together. We can't walk this journey alone. But it's not enough just to have each other. We need even something more than that. And Jesus knew that. We would need that same Holy Spirit that permeated Jesus to find a home in us. He breathed life back into their failing faith and beleaguered spirits, and they too experienced a resurrection. Isn't that marvelous? The day after resurrection, they were experiencing resurrection, and resurrection becomes a part of who we are. They were once more alive to the will of God and the purposes of Christ. They were released from the prison of their own despair with the revelation, it's not over, it's just the beginning. Jesus assures us that we will never be wrestling and struggling, abandoned in the garden of our sorrows. That we will never suffer the strangulation of loneliness in our journey with Christ. And we're not sent out ill-equipped on our own. Instead, we have been given the spirit of the living God, the spirit of the living God to live in us, to hold us and comfort us, to embolden us, to teach us, to guide us, to discern for us. And not only that, but this Holy Spirit that lives within us reminds us of our worth and the grace shown to us so that we can look around and remind others of their worth and the grace that is extended to them. Jesus knew when he was in that room that, that they needed to be assured that this was the same, the same guy, that this was Jesus whom they had known and loved and followed up until his crucifixion, and then they scattered. So when he got there, they didn't even ask. He said, hey, here's my hands. Look at my hands. Look at my side. Look where, look where the spear went in. He offered that to them. So he showed them his hands and side, and it was only then, as the scriptures tell us, that the disciples rejoiced. I, I want to say this because I think Thomas gets a bad rap. They, the disciples did this before, and then Thomas, one of the disciples, wasn't in the room with, when Jesus showed up that first time. 
So when Thomas showed up, all he did was ask for the same thing that they had asked for. He asked to, for more proof. Same proof that had been supplied to the others. Can I, I need to see the wounds in the hands and I need to see the side because I need to make sure that this is the same Jesus. Now, Jesus isn't impatient or judgmental, but instead attends to Thomas's need to know. Instead, he invites him to see, to touch, to believe. We aren't told if Thomas took Jesus up on his offer. There's no more description. We only know that he asked. And then when Jesus showed him, he said, my Lord and my God, we don't know what happened, but we do know that in that declaration, it is the most powerful confession of Jesus' identity in the gospel. My Lord and my God. It is the strongest declaration of faith recorded in the entire New Testament as Thomas sees God fully revealed in Jesus. Perhaps it was enough for Thomas just to know that Jesus cared enough to give him what he needed. That Jesus did not despise his doubt. Jesus was and is in the business of meeting people where they are. He approaches each of us in very different ways because he knows how we're wired. He knows how our brains work, how we uniquely see the world, how we operate. He knows our 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 uh, failures he knows our all the things that we armor up and and protect ourselves against he knows it all and he knows how to penetrate and get through that to bless us he finds a way to bless us and speak to us in ways that we get we get it we get it because jesus gets us according to john that is the way that Jesus handles doubt. Jesus doesn't judge your doubt. He gives you what you need in your doubt. John then concludes this passage by commenting. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you, we, may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through him you may have life in his name. That's the way we've all come to believe. We weren't there that first Easter. We weren't there to touch his hands or, or his side. We didn't actually see him. We did not see or touch. We heard. Someone told us the story in a way that invited us to say yes. We heard someone say something perhaps a small something that spoke to us as if calling our name depth to depth. Maybe it was a sermon. Maybe it was a passage of scripture. Maybe it was someone's prayer. Maybe it was an act of kindness. Maybe it was an event. Maybe it was just somebody who pointed towards God and our eyes followed them all the way until we saw. But it was something that we heard and in that hearing, we heard that no matter what condition we were in, that no matter what side streets or detours we had taken, no matter what darkness haunted our waking hours, no matter the dangers and the heartbreaks and the atrocities that the daily news offers up, no matter all of that, we heard with clarity and strength and hope and victory, it's not over. This resurrection, this promise, this faithfulness, it's not over. It's just the beginning. Let's pray. We hear you, God. You have spoken to us. You have massaged our hearts in a way that enlivens us. And we pray, oh God, that we will respond to you in the same way, that we will feel your heart, that we will hear your voice, and we will be glad. We know it's not over. You have sent us 
And here we go. Amen. Please join me in the affirmation of faith from the message translation of Philippians 4. Celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in him. Make it as clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side, working with them and not against them. Help them see that the master is about to arrive. He could show up at any minute. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies.
My friends, you might feel like throwing in the towel, but hang on. You may feel like you're at the end of your rope, but hang on. You might feel like it's over, but hang on. It's not over, it's just beginning. May the love of God and the mercy and the intimate friendship of Jesus Christ and the wonderful guidance and mercy of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. And all of God's people said together, Amen. Amen.